Hi everyone, this is Alice from StoryCuts,、uh, and welcome to another amazing episode. Technically, our first episode. Technically, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's can be they can be listened to non chronologically. So, okay. Hi, I'm Molly Curran, and I'm Alice Lai. Welcome to StoryCuts, where we explore what the stories we tell tell about us. Oh my gosh. I'm so gl- okay. You like? Did you write that down, or did you just no, remember it? No, I just remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember it. Okay, no, that's that's great. Um, um, so, if you haven't listened to、uh, episode zero, where we sort of explain the premise,、um, you should. And we talk about ourselves and who we are and why we are talking about anything.、Um, you should do that. But the short version is we're talking about、um, just different tropes and ideas and、uh, motifs and just things we see in media and narratives in different kinds of stories.、Um, and we're just kind of like digging in and seeing how we think they're working and what are interesting examples. And yeah, I mean that would be sort of the short version. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's we're we've always kind of. Made it a habit, even when like by, with, between ourselves, to talk about the common threads between the stories we've read from past to present. Like,、uh, like maybe in a westernized context, but that's kind of something we're unable to escape.、Um, and I don't know. I think it's very fascinating, and valuable, just to see how many people across different subjects and genres tackle the same topics.、Uh, this week, to start off one of our first podcasts. We're thinking about talking about hauntings and kind of, kind of, and it's it's a very broad topic, but it's a lot. It's kind of near and dear to my heart. I love,、um, I love watching and reading kind of horror horror stories. And I'm just obsessed with Shirley Jackson, which you will soon hear all about. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think one of the one of the things that I I thought was very interesting about hauntings, and I think specifically we're going to t- kind of try to talk about ghost stories. Is that、uh, they've been kind of cast as、uh, like there's a lot of dead like dead woman ghosts, absolutely.、Um, and this is like the they're they're taking revenge, and I think and it's interesting because the the ghost stories we've seen a lot of the times、uh, they're taking revenge for this horrifying injustice、uh, that simultaneously they're unable to.、Um, It's like and kind of like out of proportion. You're like, you know, ghosts. You got to chill out. But at the same time, they're usually, you know,、um, and it's and it's. I've seen the very interesting critique that was like, this is their way around a corrupt justice system, around a patriarchal justice system that refuses to give them justice. So they take matters into their own hands, and you know, it's this poor rando who I don't know. <laughs> Um, sleeps in the wrong place. Sorry, gone. No, no, no. I think. I mean, I think that's totally right. And I think one of the the things that's fascinating and and difficult and and ultimately, I guess, problematic about about that construction so much of the time is that you know even if we sort of see this this tragic backstory or sort of tra- traumatic past to justify,、um, you know, why is this. Female ghost or sort of figure acting in this way, she's still ultimately like the villain who has to be in some way defeated.、Um, mm. I, I think there are definitely counterexamples to that. I think there are exceptions, but、um, you know, you think about something like The Ring、um, mm. or that sort of genre of spooky, <laughs> <laughs> spooky girl uh, <laughs> um, horror. Where、um, you know this is a we we get the story of you know sort of this traumatized, abused, neglected girl,、um, but we also get the story of this sort of like psychopathic, violent, needlessly horrifying little girl,、mm-hmm. um, and 
you know, she's ultimately still, to me, one of the scariest villains in any horror movie I've ever seen. Um, right. I definitely, in the end, am more afraid of her than I feel bad for her. So, <laughs> don't yeah, know what that says. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think that that drives out a pretty good point. Um, and this idea that, yeah, the, the the problematic part is like, sure, like maybe these uh, ghosts are looking for justice, but the the narrative is always positioned in a way to not exactly inspire sympathy for them. Um, that that is like sort of. Uh, and it's kind of left, and you're kind of sort of left, you know, from this larger perspective with a double bind. It's like they're, you know, they were killed, you know, they're th- like, you know, in the ring, right? They're thrown. She was thrown into a well, and she's like really mad at people. <laughs> and I forget exactly how the the videotape thing worked, but um, was it like built on top of the well or something? Or? No, she had a room. She had like a room that she was. Oh, she okay. she she like recorded things in. It was like this okay. like little loft thing. Um, I, I don't. I think that may have been. I don't know. I can't quite remember. I can't bring myself to rewatch the thing <laughs> because it scared me so much. Right. <laughs> um. And then, and then she's you know undertaking this uh campaign of you know just kind of killing random people. And then you're sort of like, and I think um, you know, and I think that's kind of there's a tendency to sort of go like maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle where like, you know, it's there, there are two extremes. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sort of kind of working my way through the thought. So go, go ahead, Molly. Well, I think part of it is also the idea that, um, women, women's anger is like fundamentally horrifying. Right. Um, like even in the case of a movie like shutter, which is a Thai horror movie, I believe. Was it Thai? So. Um, yeah. Called Shudder. And there's an American remake that looks horrible. I did not see it. Um, and in Shudder, so I guess here's a, here's a spoiler alert for Shudder. The, the plot is that this um, man and this, I don't know, he's like a college student, I think, and his friends are being um, tormented by this very scary ghost um, <laughs> of this girl that they knew. Um, who it turns out she had committed suicide like a few years or a year ago or something. Um, But what ultimately ends up being revealed is that he and his friends had participated in the gang rape of her. And so her sort of haunting of them was, was part of getting revenge, um, getting atonement, for uh for their treatment of her so you you start out the movie sort of thinking this guy is your protagonist um that he's somebody that you want to see overcome this ghost who's after him for no good reason um and then as you watch the movie you kind of find out oh that's not the case at all um i don't know how i felt everything was handled i thought it was i mean in the end the end is one of the more unsettling endings of any horror movie I've ever seen. I won't give it away, but, um, but I think the thing that sticks with me sort of regardless of how you read it, whether you see it as having some sort of feminist intent or whether you see it as sort of enforcing rape culture in some way, I'm not sure. But I think the thing that comes across is regardless sort of either way, this, um, this, woman's anger and hurt and pain is still seen as this horrifying i mean truly horrifying thing and something that is meant Mm -hmm. to be a spectacle to the audience like the audience watching is meant to be horrified and afraid of her um Mm -hmm. which is rough (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and i I think uh one thing about shutter and i think um and for me uh that's like s-h-u-t-t-e-r uh, because like I, a camera I, shutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I think it's it's very very reasonable to interpret that as shutter. Though, mm-hmm. um, part of it is there's a protagonist, the guy, uh, the guy that Molly mentioned, and uh, there's his girlfriend who's like kind of on the receiving end of, of a lot of like these extremely creepy occurrences. And like by at the end of the film, you kind of realize it's the it's the woman that he you know contributed to the suicide of, kind of just being like, hey, like this this guy's. I'm just, I'm like, I'm like, it's, it's actually kind of funny to me because she's like, Hey, you know, like, I just want to like emerge from like, over this overflowing sink with like, like, and, oh, and scream at you until you, you realize. And like, you know, this guy's bad news. Um, 
and she you know doesn't quite get the get the message that's a chill ghost um necessarily but well she's she's not a chill ghost but she's not trying to hurt that girl she's trying to warn her (laughs) yeah i mean that that it's interesting it's definitely something that stuck with me the fact that it was it was this sort of motivation of um of protecting another woman that was part of what she was doing what the ghost was doing but it that wasn't clear i don't know it's mm-hmm. it's definitely a different case than something like the ring where it's like clearly just like war path of revenge against all of humanity and i think that um the note on the how it's fundamentally a spectacle is also worth coming back to now now i haven't seen a lot of like the more traditional horror uh films because i'm like a giant wimp and gore just completely but there's like this one where like uh I've heard about it, like, a woman is gang-raped, and in the second act of the movie, she comes back and, like, brutally, like, messily murders everyone involved, which is, like, it's kind of, like, very, like, like a Joss Whedon, like, woo, powerful woman kind of thing. Um, yeah, okay, I sorry, think... Sorry, sorry, that, that got away. I think, I think that's a trope. Like, I think that's a, that's a trope unto itself of yeah. the the um revenge fantasy um the revenge and and it's worth thinking about the way that the ghost story intersects with the revenge fantasy like who um you know as women like who are we supposed to really identify with in shutter like i feel like ultimately Mm -hmm. probably it's the girlfriend and then the ghost and then (laughs) not at all the horrible men like yeah Mm -hmm. i not really particularly sad that they all got killed. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's... But, but like, who is, who is the movie actually being made for? Is it being made for, you know, an audience of women who are going to, to feel sympathy for, uh, for this sort of ghost situation? Or is it made for, you know, people to who, to just feel sort of titillated who, who like, and outraged and right. they're like, and, oh my god, what a twist! Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I don't, I don't know. It's that's a, it's a hard one. Um, but I um, so. So I think those are like examples definitely of, of women's anger and rage in, um, in, in sort of ghost stories. But one of the things I'm, I'm most interested in personally, um, is the way that women's sadness and loneliness comes across in a lot of, um, a lot of the ghost stories that I'm, I'm, I'm excited about. I don't watch a lot of horror, as you know. I have the agreement that I'll watch one horror movie per year <laughs> with you. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but the ones that I have watched that I have liked a lot tend to be dealing with, um, with these ideas of sadness and loneliness. There's something more sad about them than scary. Uh, <laughs> ultimately like um so the ones i'm thinking of are the babadook mm-hmm. um and then shirley jackson's book the haunting of hell house and yeah. shirley jackson's oeuvre in general which i am happy to get into um <laughs> but i don't know would you want to talk about either one of those at all uh, sure like let's uh before we get into it i think haunting of, i like the 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 touchstone of loneliness um i wanted to very quickly drop a a call out to um to Pulse, uh, which is another, I think, Japanese horror movie that also got remade into American one that got um, extremely bad reviews. <laughs> and I think I think what is interesting to me, and it's not a not a perfect um, horror movie by any sense, uh, but there's this kind of like haunting loneliness to it, um, where like it posits basically um, that too many people have died, the afterlife is filled up, so they're trying to get people to commit suicide. Uh, the dead are trying to get people to commit suicide via, like, loneliness. Um, and then once you do that, you're kind of trapped by yourself forever. Um, and this, this horrible uh, condition. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. We're like, we're like basically, it's, like, it's, it's very weird. It's, like, if you, like, people just, ex- basically, people experience, like, loneliness and depression to the point where they, like, literally just turn to ash and, like, or, like, 
just become a mark on the wall. It's like very spooky. Um, I think part of it is is like, um, and this we're, we're kind of going away from uh, the the centering of women, but kind of mm-hmm. like about these kind of this this animus, this like emotional um, ill will being borne down on people. And, and maybe maybe we'll watch it again. I think I didn't really get I didn't really like get it. Um, and it's it's definitely not like a straightforward movie, but I think it really stayed with me, like along with some some of the other horror movies, just for like how terrible that sounds to be to be by yourself and conscious for the for the rest of eternity. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean I think that's a good uh, segue into the haunting of Hill House, which is something I just really want to talk about. And, okay, yeah. Um, I just think so. The Haunting of Hill House is a, a novel by Shirley Jackson. It's one of the best earlier American horror ghost novels. Stephen King has cited it as an influence. Um, they've made it into movies a couple times, but I don't think ever particularly successfully. Really? Yeah, and I think part of the reason is because so much of what's poignant about it um, is this like pervasive feeling of loneliness that i don't know loneliness and sadness that i don't know that um a movie could quite capture so um wait i'm gonna i have my coffee right here i'm gonna read the first like famous (laughs) opening bit because i think it's really yeah um, yeah for sure really telling sort of so the the book begins no live organism can continue for long to exist sanely under conditions of absolute reality even larks and katydids are supposed by some to dream. Hill House, not sane, stood by itself against its hills, holding darkness within. It had stood so for eighty years and might stand for eighty more. Within, walls continued upright, bricks met neatly, floors were firm, and doors were sensibly shut. Silence lay steadily against the wood and stone of Hill House, and whatever walked there walked alone. So that's how it opens. Um, it's so good. I know. It's so good. Um, <laughs> and to me, it's just one of the best openings ever. So the, the premise of the book is basically these four people come to this notoriously haunted house um, to stay there for over a summer, basically, um, and see if it really is haunted. One of them's like a paranormal researcher, and then <laughs> one of them is sort of the the heir to the house who owns mm-hmm. it but doesn't live there um one is oh five no that's four people and then one is um this sort of like young bohemian woman um who's sort of like living this like fancy life in a city but she's had some sort of past sort of psychic experiences so she gets mm-hmm. invited and then the the final person is the i guess i would say the main character um this woman named eleanor who is very resentful very lonely she doesn't really have any friends she grew up with a mother who just like she hated and um a sister she lives with her sister who watches her every move and doesn't let her have any sort of freedom and she hates her sister she just wants she she wants both to be sort of alone and independent, but also to be, you know, loved and cared for by someone who actually loves and cares for her. And that tension sort of keeps coming in through the book as she sort of meets and connects with some of the people in this house. Um, but also she sort of finds the house itself is trying to connect with her. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like the the thing that... Um, the thing that really struck me, I've read it a couple times now, and um, yeah, it's just, it's very hauntingly lonely. I think you said that earlier. There's there's a real sense um, that, you know, that whatever walked there walked alone. Like, there's a real sense of, like, the best you can hope for is ending up alone. Like, for Eleanor, that might be the best she can hope for, because at least she's not dealing with her terrible sister and her um awful mother or whatever but it's also not you know being in this sort of like loving 
family structure or friendship or um, whatever else. There's also a lot of, um, um, like, homoerotic undertones. I don't know if I want to call it that. But, I mean, basically, like, it's fairly implied that um, the other woman the sort of bohemian woman is a is potentially a lesbian um and eleanor develops it seems like she develops feelings for her um and so there's definitely a sense also of isolation around um you know sexuality or sort of self-identity self-knowledge um i don't know (laughs) have you have you read it yeah i have and i really should have reread it for this podcast uh but i have not (laughs) <laughs> so it was a long time ago and I think one thing that um and I think we all I, I definitely remember the ending and I definitely remember kind of like the the escalate like I kind of went into it I read it without really knowing who Shirley Jackson was um which I which I think is a very interesting approach to it because you're like oh weird what a weird house what a weird cast <laughs> what a weird motley cast right um, and you're kind of expecting maybe more a more traditional ghost story, but like you said, I think the the thing about loneliness is mm, it's very powerful because that's like you know vengeful ghosts. That's not something I think uh, that like anger is like in in the certain situ- situation we're thinking about uh, emotions that pervade a place, and we think about um, like how lo- how I think how people have felt, like, I think the the idea of ghosts is very appealing to me just because um, at points in my life, you know, you're just like, you sort of, I I know I've, when I was dealing with anxiety and depression, I sort of felt like I was a ghost. I was like, I'm I'm moving through life. I'm not, but I'm not making any marks. I'm just passing through. Um, And it's, it's sort of, uh, and, and this kind of like living, and I think it's, (laughs) Uh, I'm, I'm straying a little bit, but I'm, I'll come back to Hill House in a moment. Um, but this kind of uh, this inversion of the undead, the, like the unliving, right? The um, sort of I saw parallels between that and the situation I was talking about in Paul's in the situation in the haunting of Hill House. This um, this kind of this bleak thing where you worry that being lonely is the best situation you can, um, and then maybe and then like letting that kind of just ultimately overcome you and i think and i think what's what's also notable about these narratives is that it's not necessarily there the blame there's no blame being assigned um i think the the blame being assigned you're like you know is just the kind of the fundamental structure of the world that forces people to be alone like the forces Mm -hmm. people to be unable to find connections or like the um i mean sorry i was i was like maybe some people be like ah yes the alienation of capital um but uh that's maybe a little pat um and i'm just saying that tongue-in-cheek of course i don't think anyone would actually respond (laughs) with that uh I think it's it's interesting. Um, I was just sort of there's a game heavily inspired by Haunting of Hill House called Anatomy by a kitty horror show uh, indie developer I really respect. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting because it's in a way it's a retelling of the Haunting of Hill House, only you know it's sort of more uh, house centric, <laughs> more house centric. Um, sorry, Molly, what's going on? Sorry, is there something in the background, like noise wise? There's kids. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I just, oh. It's all right. Wait, I'm just let... picking up on it. Oh, crud. Oh, it's okay. No. I mean, it's fine. I don't think it's like ruined the audio. Hey, <laughs> there's some children playing in the background outside of Alice's place, just yeah. so you know. Right, okay. Um, um, where, sorry. Where, okay, yeah. No, I mean, I think it's an interesting. Um, it's not just about that, but I think one of the themes about it is sort of like you're, you're exploring this house you're, sorry, yeah, I can sort of see how, like, the, the, the faint yelling of kids in the background is confusing. It's really adding to the atmosphere. <laughs> the <laughs> screaming of children. Um, so, uh, what's going Okay, right, right, right. Um, part of what... An interesting thing about Anatomy is that um, it, it's, it was... I think it got an award for one of the best horror games of the year. Um, and it posits kind of, like, of the house as a living, living thing. Um I think 
that's kind of like one part of the game. The part of the game is like you know you're you're kind of collecting video cassettes, um, and there and it's this dry academic person being like you know the what we what do we consider the living room and what do we consider the heart of the house, um, and I think I think very memorably the first time around they're like you know the you might think of the bedroom as the as the head, but it's in the bedroom that's the most vulnerable. The bed is the mouth of the house. Oh um, my god. Which I think is is really great, and 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 then you play through it maybe a few more times, and I think it's the house kind of exerts its own force upon you. Um, anyway, sorry. So this is to say, like, and and I think one of the themes of it is like this house, um, this this kind of haunting. Like, if we if we build a house, you know, it's like, are you? I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this the best. It's like, uh, in building the house, is it like you know, it's do you have a responsibility for it? What happens when you abandon, uh, and it's like the haunting of Hill House, like an abandoned house uh, going mad because, going mad with loneliness and resentment. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's interesting, this kind of like uh, responsibility for inanimate um, that kind of comes through here. Uh, And I'm thinking about, I mean, okay, like very facetiously, Toy Story, uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but you know, um, but I think it's it's uh, I think that's a, that's a thing anyone has thought about. Like you know, in Toy Story, if toys are alive, that would be horrifying. Like you don't want that level of responsibility for everything we interact with. I'm sorry, Molly. Go. Uh, no, go no, no, no. I think you're totally right. I mean, I think like as kids, we have this. I mean, Toy Story is based on this sort of fundamental fear that we have of kids as kids that like you know our stuffed animals know how we treat them (laughs) you know what i mean like (laughs) that you know if you love one stuffed animal more than another it's gonna know or if you mistreat one it's gonna know somehow um i think we have a really like innate fear of the inanimate um uh inanimate uh (laughs) that um yeah that i think like i think the haunting of hill house or it sounds like this game like really captures especially in spaces the thing about haunted houses the reason why to me haunted house stories are so i don't know i'm fascinated by them is is because it's so much it's not just about who but it is about where and what it's it's like built into the with hill house like it's it's pretty much like explicitly like built into the house the house is built wrong like it's Mm -hmm. described it's just it's wrong when you look at it like there's something about it that just feels wrong um and they sort of try to figure out what it is architecturally um but you you get the sense that it's just it's 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 a malevolent house um and you get sort of some backstory of potential um but it's almost too much it's too much potential ghosts you don't ever see an actual ghost you'd ever a ghost the ghost is never identified like oh this is the ghost of so and so you hear these things that happened you hear about um you know like a father who is like very strict and abusively strict with his children um and you hear about his daughters and then you hear about um you know his daughter who his daughters who had this feud over the house and you hear about you know one of the daughters got the house and she had a like woman companion who was supposed to be looking after her but who deserted her to have a tryst with a a guy some some neighborhood guy and as she was having this tryst the woman died and like just all these different um you know failures of love i guess and uh mm-hmm. um that happened but it's never you know like and then the mass murder like the massacre that occurred it's never that it's these um smaller things and then basically and and there's one figure the the helper who was off having the tryst then gets ostracized and she ends up committing suicide so that's i mean that's sort of a, implied to be like potentially the the core piece but there's so much of the backstory to it given and so much implication that like really the the malevolence of the house started from its its beginnings um mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where he's going with that, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I I think that's definitely true. And I think it taps into a real, a real fear that we have. I mean, of these, mm-hmm. we're, we're, 
we're afraid of the spaces that we're in or we're afraid of what I think they have more power over us, I think, than we um, necessarily always realize. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think that's I think this is sort of uh, this idea like we're not we're not truly I mean, this vulnerability, um, we're not in charge of the places where and the the creaky like the creaky stairs or whatever like mm-hmm. being by yourself in a large space um is is like kind of spooky like there's all these um all these areas that are just uninhabited and the i'm trying to think of like how to link this back towards history and i, I sort of wanted to bring up kind of briefly um the house of leaves which is also kind of not definitely not about um a haunting but also about uh, a space, right? Uh, are you are you familiar with? Um... I'm familiar, but have not read. Yeah, yeah, that's. I know that's it's fair. like you know you like turn it upside down and there's puzzles and shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of lot of puzzles. <laughs> I think um, there's there's kind of two, um, two interleaving narratives. One is like this person who found this documentary or this manuscript about a documentary, and other one kind of the one I'm going to focus a little bit more on. Um, is basically of this this person discovering some possible space in their house. They try to explore it, and ultimately they're unable to fully explore it. It's just this unfolding labyrinth, um, and, and a lot of the unease comes from like the. It's not necessarily that the space does anything, though. I think um, there's like one or two like spooky occurrences, but it's just this idea of like this this uncharted intrusion. Um, and I was just kind of like mulling over while while you were talking, Molly. This. Um, you know the the every man's was it every man's home is a castle or the the concept of security or or maybe even like wondering if this is uh, I want to say wondering if this is connected to to the uneasy knowledge that we don't own the land we live on as Americans. Um, I mean, I don't even know if I'd say, I mean, I, I totally take your point. I, I mean, I want to get a, I, I don't want to get into like Indian burial ground type stuff, but yeah, I, yeah. I, um, I get what you're saying, but I mean, I would say it even goes back to sort of a, a false belief that, um, you know, we are the, the sort of masters of our own space that by creating a house, which is sort of this like symbol of our like property, right? Symbol of property, mm-hmm. symbol of um, private property of, you know, here's me in my own little space in the world that doesn't have anything to do with all these other people. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's like f- fundamentally an illusion, right? right. Um, so I think it's like this uneasiness about like, what if this like, secure little spot that is meant to be you know mine isn't really um Mm -hmm. because i think no houses i think you're you're definitely right that like and i think you see that in (laughs) problematic but i guess telling ways in in some horror movies in particular thinking about like american land um Mm -hmm. But I, I I would say like in general the the whole concept of the sort of private sphere the private property um, mm-hmm. is has flaws has these cracks in it right and, and you know I'm I'm thinking of um I'm thinking about kind of the the time period of of these horror movies and um, I think. <laughs> I think it's it's no it's no surprise like there's a lot of like millennials don't own houses anymore because they can't afford them, um, and and thinking about how you know a house with a picket fence and two and a half kids and a dog, um, were considered like the the suburban like apex. Um, I mean not you know not to to also not get into the the, the ways that's problematized as as a default, um, but. But like the home, like home ownership, mm-hmm. right? It's like you you've worked so hard for this home, and now it's bad. Um, I think it's. I'm just trying. I'm just like trying to think of a more, more contemporary horror movies like that in the in the psychological horror vein. I mean, Get Out. I saw Get Out. I mean, it's not. It's not really. It's definitely not in the to- in the context of this podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think we can do horror in the future, but I think we should try yeah. to stick to haunting. 
Yeah, yeah, haunting. Um, and, and I think, um, like, the Babadook, I think, was also also unusual, I guess. It's not, it's not like, Final Destination, etc., but it's, um, I guess we are now also going to spoil the Babadook. Um, but it's also, in a way, you know, this woman contending with this uh, malevolent presence in, uh, in her house. Uh, and, and there's a very easy reading to read that malevolent presence uh, as, like, kind of resentment towards her son and being unable to, um, you know, like, trying to reconcile that with this idea that like, you should be unconditionally loving of your child. Uh, combined with, you know, like, I think in the in the movie, the, the idea is, like, her husband dies. Her husband when... died, like, when the kid was little. Mm-hmm. Um and so, and she's like struggling. She's so she's the, uh, uh, you know, working mom with a young mm-hmm. kid trying to, trying to get by, not making a lot of money, um, really just not having much of a life of her own because um, she's she's sort of got so much on trying to take care of her her family, mm-hmm. um, and her son is very, uh, very smart, but also very. Uh, What's what's the word? Precocious, very um you know, just gets into trouble and sort of um the the way these like these kids are in movies where they're um they're sort of causing Raising causing hell. problems just by being, you know, unique and and sort of difficult but not bad. Um yeah. yeah. And so I mean I think I think the other easy reading is that what the the babadook is is sort of her her grief it's just like oh Mm -hmm. she just didn't mourn properly or something Mm -hmm. um but i don't i don't think that i think the the thing that works about so so what happens is this monster basically sort of enters into her life the babadook and is sort of um and at times it sort of becomes her and at times it's sort of like stalking her and it's unclear whether it's going to hurt her or hurt her son. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what works about the Babadook, I guess, as sort of symbol, um, is the way that it has these multiple meanings and multiple readings. Um, mm-hmm. Because, and I guess, like, here's, like, the big spoiler alert. Um, at the end of the movie, the Babadook isn't defeated Exactly. Um, the Babadook becomes this, I don't want to say like house pet exactly, but it's sort of kept in the basement and they feed it and they sort of continue to acknowledge it and care for it um, in order to keep it under control. And so I feel like, you know, you can say that's depression. Certainly I can I can relate to that as a metaphor for depression. Um you could say that that's that's grief, um, or you could say that that's you know just resentment or sort of bristling up against the completely unfair expectations of you know selfless motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know it's kind of all those things. It's kind of it's kind of all the things that horror can kind of be about. <laughs> the, the I mean, and her rage. You know, her her rage. We were talking about women's rage before. Like it's that too. Like she's not allowed to get angry and. You know, when she does, it's very scary um, because she's she's angry with her son for things that are not his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like the the Babadook sort of like is the manifestation of um, all these either I would say like taboo these sort of like taboo feelings and experiences that you know as a, as a this as a woman as a mother she's not really supposed to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only way to sort of continue living with that is not by killing them, but by, you know, continuing to live with them in some uh, uneasy detente. Right. right, yeah, I think, I'm, I'm trying to remember if there was this one scene in the Babadook, I, I sort of, like, I feel like I kind of remember it where she's, like, talking with another mother, and she's sort of like, yeah, like, sometimes you just really want to want to smack the shit out of them, or something, and other moms just sort of like, that's messed up. And she, she's like, um, which is not to advocate for, I mean, I'm very anti-corporeal punishment, but, but I think it, it is like, um, the inability, like as isolated as she is, 
Um, and and definitely, like I think the the second act twist, where like he, he, the Babadook goes from this external monster to kind of possess to becoming the mother, I guess, mm-hmm. um, was was very effective. And I think this is this is the kind of horror movies that I'm very that I enjoy a lot. I think it's it's just sort of like it it's easy to sort of um, to trade in on like physical dismemberment. <laughs> And I don't know gruesome execution methods, but um, I think I think it's just sort of like there's a lot of living. Uh, there's a lot there. Like I think I think you used the word detente, um earlier. And I think that's very like I think the horror movies that kind of like force us to acknowledge this uh, this the way that we live in on like this kind of boat on us on this great sea of our subconsciousness um and and this the fear that we'll lose control um i don't, I don't know I'm, I'm sort of trying to think if uh tale of two sisters can be tied into this at all i was thinking uh, about that as well um one because, of the one of the horror movies i have watched that i am still scarred by very scary <laughs> very scary <laughs> um but yeah i mean because that that was that was Right, like to to now spoil a a fourth media property. Um, I believe it's uh, you sort of. There's two sisters living in a house with their mother. I think. I don't quite recall something like that, but it's sort of a feel like one of the sister. Like basically, they're both in one of the sisters' mind. One of the sisters was killed um, when they were younger by being like crushed under armor. It was basically like through. Um through familial neglect like there was somebody who sort of like saw that she was hurt and didn't help her right yeah um and there were like various people that she sort of blamed for or sort of implied she blamed for her death like her Mm -hmm. you know parent like somebody was having an affair and somebody was doing something and um and she basically scares the shit out of everybody who uh (laughs) everybody who messed with her um <laughs> uh-huh. but yeah i think but yeah sort of the big twist right is the the sister realizing that her the sort of main sister i guess realizing that right. her sister has been has been dead and um that she needs to sort of like accept that this death has happened um mm-hmm though I don't think that resolves the ghost issue, if I recall correctly. No, I think someone still gets, like, yeah, the ghost ghost still has its day, or has her day. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember exactly how that how that whole whole business is resolved. I do know it's, like, one of those classic, um, yeah, woman is... I'm trying to remember. Did you ever... We, did we watch that one... Daniel Radcliffe one, like the lady in the dark, lady in the water. The the the, the woman in black. The I never watched black. it. Like I'm trying to. Uh, I know I did watch it, but I also found it kind of very unremarkable. Mm. Um, I think one of those was like a woman, is, like the. Okay, I guess spoilers for this one as well, which will all. Have I to mean, remember the compile. I mean. If it was unremarkable, do you really want to get into it? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think it was just sort of like this idea of um, this, like coming back to at the beginning of our our talk, uh, like uh, slights against, like unaddressed slights against women, and how how that's kind of like an uneasy sits uneasily with like the very classic horror movie ending of like, but the ghost is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's useless because they're animated by pure rage. <laughs> Um, what about, um, oh, that, that sort of really gothic romancy one that we watched. Crimson Peak? Crimson Peak. Um, where, I mean, that was sort of another case, right? Where the ghosts seem malevolent at first. I mean, they're not, not malevolent, um, <laughs> but they're, they're sort of trying to communicate, um, wrongs that have been done to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like it's... I mean, I feel like this is definitely something that is just like kind of the the basis of horror, really. Like, or at least at least some some strain of horror. The basis mm-hmm. is like 
like women's pains and women's hurts. Um, mm-hmm. There's also the movie um, The Others. Have you ever seen this one starring Nicole I Kidman? Haven't. We should. Um, it's 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 quite good, um, and it it also is dealing with sort of this woman, um, her her sort of loneliness and her isolation, mm-hmm. and. Um, And it, it does this, like, really remarkable thing where it um, it really gets you to empathize with, with these, like, ghosts who are haunting and who are hurting or se- seeming to be hurting um, the, the, the characters. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really want to give it away because it's, it's a great... Okay. It's a great one. Um, I think it's an underrated um, Yeah, I, I do, I do want to see it. Yeah, um, but it's it's very it's very beautifully acted, and it, it does. I guess what I'm saying is, I think a lot of horror is sort of working on the basis of women get hurt and don't have really um, a lot of ways to fix that or stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sort of horror movies create this, or horror ghost stories create this space where where women get revenge. And I think it's simultaneously a, a – it can be kind of a feminist fantasy. It can also kind of be, I would say, like a, a masculinist fear, uh, mm-hmm. sort of guilt, um, you know, a sense of like, yeah. hey, maybe we're going to get some comeuppance for all this stuff we've pulled. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think there are, there are some some, you know, filmmakers and some writers out there who – are, are thinking through these questions, I think, a little more um, in more interesting ways. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think there are ones like I thought Crimson Peak was fun. It was a it was a fun little gothic horror romance, <laughs> um, but I didn't think you know it was it was really asking any deep questions about um, you yeah. know women's lives <laughs> <laughs> or deaths. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's had some some nice visuals, nice visuals, great costumes, great costumes. Um, I'm glad Del Toro made it, um, but I would understand if you were disappointed. It wasn't uh, a nonstop fright fest. Yeah, it wasn't really scary at all. Um, so that's the other thing. But like, I don't. I think, uh, I mean, I don't find, like, The Haunting of Hill House that scary. There, mm-hmm. there are a few bits that get me. Um, mm-hmm. But I still, I still consider it horror because I think, like, when you look into the face of what it's saying or what it's sort of trying right. to do, there's something horrifying there. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, I mean, yeah, horror doesn't need to be, like, scary. I think, I think... I mean, we're, we're, it's kind of a cliche, but like, yeah, or I mean, it's kind of too obvious, right? But it's like, it can just be haunting. Yeah. It can be a recurring image, a recurring um, exploration. I sort of liked your uh, your analysis. Like, you know, maybe it's not it's not like a feminist empowerment. It's a masculinist, you know, fantasy um, or fear. Um, and I think that's, it's like one of the fears is to sort of, one of the ways you you get rid of a fear is you you enunciate it and you you point at how ridiculous it is, um, and you know, generally speaking, I've heard of this being applied to like, what if all my friends abandon you? And the therapist is like, oh, but do you think that's likely to happen? Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, it's not. I mean, <laughs> um, but but I'm just sort of trying to. I'm just like thinking about your statement, uh, be thinking about that in your statement, and like the 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 series of kind of. Um, of movies and maybe not the maybe not the specific ones we're talking about except like elliptically but the general trend right i mean and i would have to know more about the history of horror and uh and ghost stories and all that um Mm -hmm. certainly more than i do but i yeah I I i feel like there's something there's something about the way that uh women are the are so often the victims or they're sort of the 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 victims in some sort of tragic backstory but they come back as the monsters um mm-hmm. and i think that speaks to a, some kind of fear about women or fear about 
was something yeah, or yeah, or I mean, sort of a justification like see these women were monsters all along you know there was something rotten in them that you sort of can elucidate through this um supernatural like, horror sort of way right that's been distilled and i think that's that definitely comes back into like the um the irrational woman the the lunatic woman um because i think i mean i'm like i'm thinking about like the ones where men uh are the focus and and you know usually it's like they're constructing very elaborate death traps i'm just thinking of saw really um which might not be representative for like texas chainsaw massacre right they're they're out there mm-hmm. inflicting very literal dismemberment yeah <laughs> um versus this i'm like i'm, I'm like i want to I guess, I guess i would love to i think i think this is definitely a topic near and dear to both of our hearts so we'll return to it in the future uh once we let it simmer on the stove a bit more but um, there's definitely this tension, like why are you know why are women so often the the catalyst? Mm-hmm. You know, why are they the ghost? Why are they the investigator? Why are they the one dying, um, dying first or dying before it starts? And this is something that we might like even go into in a future podcast um, that uh, Molly and I have sort of been. Well, at least more Molly. I can't take any credit for this, but Molly is definitely a bit interested in like the dead girl story, especially on let's let's time drop this May twenty first when we're uh, we're recording this before the Twin Peaks uh, revival news, revival starts, and and sort of how Twin Peaks in itself is like a a entry in the genre of dead girl stories, as Molly would call yeah. them. Um, yeah, a preeminent entry. Um, so yeah, I would love to do that episode sometime in the the future maybe after i get the chance to watch the, the twin peaks <laughs> revival um but... Yeah, but i mean i think yeah i think we're we're coming close to the end yeah. but i would love to to bring back the tradition we started last week where we talk about recommendations and thing and or things we've just read over the last week yeah. uh, molly do you want to start yeah i can start um so i've been reading um books sort of for my, my, my research um, for my graduate program. Um, so nothing like too flashy or exciting. But I've been reading this book called Knowing Victims uh, by Rebecca Stringer. The subtitle is something like Feminism, Agency, and Victim Politics in Neoliberal Times. Um, and I just think it's great so far. It's really interrogating this, um, this binary that we've set up between like victim and agency and the idea that a victim can never be an agent um, or that always mm-hmm. being always having agency is a positive thing. Um, and it's really trying to reclaim victimhood as a political position from which, um, you know, one can also be an agentic actor. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's doing pretty important work. Uh, <laughs> so I would if that's something that sounds interesting to you, I, I would really recommend it. Um the other thing on the other end of the spectrum um, that I'm uh, I've been doing is I've been watching Riverdale, the Archie comics, teen murder <laughs> drama um, from the CW. It's on Netflix now. Um, I'm about halfway through. It's it's been compared a lot to like Pretty Little Liars and Twin Peaks, which are shows I will definitely talk about when we do our Dead Girl, uh, Dead Girl Show episode. Um, I I don't know how I feel about it. I'm still <laughs> I'm, I'm still going through it. Um, it's it's interesting, but it does have a dead boy at the center, which is kind of an interesting twist that might be worth thinking uh-huh. about. Um, yeah, so those are the two major things I've been been on lately. How about you? Cool. Yeah, I think um, so. Like like a lot of other people, I've um, I've read and sort of discussed the uh, 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 Tizan 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 maybe uh, Alex Tizan Alex Tizan Alex Tizan. Um, I think, and you know, the the discussion uh, without that that's, it would that's be not uh, my family slave from the Atlantic. My oh, sorry. Thanks, Molly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't just talk about it. Um, I think uh, it's sort of beyond far beyond the scope of what we're we're talking about here but reading that discussing it with um with my friends and sort of about both the piece and the complexity and the discussions coming sprouting up in the wake of that piece um 
and like the the readings of the author as uh, as undoubtedly a slave owner, um, but also like the the context within which it was like the American context in, with, with, in which it was accomplished, the non-Western com- context in which you know the the practice began, um, and just sort of like try, trying to and navigating kind of various readings of it that in in my opinion uh, kind of leaned lean towards to too much towards like um either one or the other either absolving uh Taizan or um saying or tying it too closely to the tradition of american slavery uh which i think sorry go on Molly. I, well i was just gonna say i think a really good um response piece that that sort of it 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 talks about it in the context of american slavery but in the context of um how how slavery works and how slavery functions and how we talk about slavery functions regardless of sort of what kind of slavery we mean mm-hmm. um and that was the uh i think his name is van newkirk piece um also at the atlantic called the enslaved woman they called lola um was a i thought a very um yeah just i thought it was a very clarifying sort of mm-hmm. response that um reflected certainly more of how I read it than how I think some other readers read that piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, aside from, and I think there's, I think I read this article on, um, you know, Donald Trump saying that exercise drains your body's finite resources, which I found funny, uh, because it wasn't like all the other Trump things happening, but it was, the article was just, one person talking about how exercise is good for you. Um, so it's the whole context of it was just kind of absurd. It's like someone saying like, if you eat ice, the ice will freeze your insides. And then this entire re- article being like, actually, if you eat ice, the ice will melt inside your body and become water. Here's how five works. paragraphs of explanation. <laughs> right, right. Just five paragraphs of very patient explaining. Um, so, and, uh, and I think I've also been reading this book uh, lent to me by a friend uh, called The Chair of Where the People Go. Um, this friend, uh, Molly, has heard of, heard of her, uh, Theroux. Um, so apparently this, this book has a section on, like, how to meet people in a new city. And, and the book is like, you know, just, just throw a party every two weeks. Like, people, lo- people appreciate it if you are, like, if so, you host an event. Um, and you'll meet a lot of new people this way, um, which is which ties back to Theroux because she threw 12 parties in 12 months one year, uh, which is astonishing to me because they weren't they're also not traditional parties. Like each of them had um, had like a wacky theme, like one of them was lying or lying where you had to either be lying down or you're you're like telling untruths. You're not telling the truth. So, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sounds so intense. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I thought I thought it was funny because I was in a discussion with um, I, I I got lunch with her and a few of her friends, and one of them was just was still kind of upset about the lying or lying party. Uh, he was like, the, the entire point of a party is like talk to people, and um, and she was like, yeah, well that's the, if you could have lied down, like that's part of the that's like written into the thing, or you could have lied like subtly. <laughs> There's, um, or you could lie, but just say like I like, um, you know. I am not Molly. I am not oh, a grad student. That's that's such a okay. <laughs> such a cop okay, out. I know she would out. she would she would not approve. She would she would pull you aside and have a, have a word or two. But the book itself is kind of um, I'm still kind of thinking about. It. I mean, it's it's just this guy who um, Misha. Let me let me double check. Misha Globerman uh, talking about like neighborhoods, talking about improvisation, talking about like. Uh, just sort of, sort of, you, you, it's. I think it's also a unique writing style, which I appreciate. I've been wanting to write more, and reading more is not critical, but helpful. It it's pretty helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big advocate okay. of reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's um, that's us. Is that uh, anything All right, else you want that'll, to that'll um, yeah. I think that'll be it for this week. Like we said, um, we. We'll hopefully get to talk more about ghosts in the future um, and hauntings and dead people and all kinds of fun things. Uh, <laughs> but uh, un- until then, we'll, we'll, we'll see you or we'll hear. Until next time. 
yeah, that's that's getting edited out. Yeah. Until next time, uh, I'm Molly Curran. And I'm Alice Lai. And stay hungry. Wow.